0: This is episode 8 on Mindset with Michael Maeda.
1: Control is, is really an illusion, right? You can't control other people. You can only control yourself. And I feel like sometimes that's what's most harmful to us um, creatively.
0: Hey, hey, hey. What is up? Welcome back, episode eight on Mindset. My name is DJ Bounce, and we have a show for you today. Very special guest on the show, Mr. Michael Maeda. Michael Maeda is a producer, a DJ, a turntablist, a videographer, a visual uh, intellect, if you will. I couldn't think of a better word than intellect, and I'm not going to edit this. Yo, we talk about a lot of cool stuff In this episode, this is the deepest I think we've gotten on the show. And it was awesome. We discuss uh, tips on music production. We investigate uh, the, um, the process of unlocking your creativity. I know this sounds like an infomercial, but we got deep. We got deep in this episode, and it's so cool. And if you're not into this stuff, and you know someone who is, pass this episode, this podcast, along. We'd really appreciate it. Get on the iTunes. Give us five stars because four ain't enough, you know, and uh, I appreciate your support. I appreciate all the feedback that I get on the Twitter, the Instagram, uh, everything. Hit us up. Follow us on the socials. I really just want to get into this episode. Uh, This is my conversation with Michael Maeda, a.k.a. DJ Mega Man, a.k.a. Mr. Coffee and Steak Sandwich on Mindset.
1: Okay. Can you hear? Yeah, I can hear. Can you hear me? Yes, sir. You want to go louder? No, you're good. You're good. You're it's good? good. It's good. Yeah.
0: I'm not. I'm not trying to damage the goods.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I can damage those myself.
0: <laughs> I bet you have like million dollar headphones, though.
1: No, I use these. Do you really? Hmm. I actually don't even use my speakers to make beats. This is what I use all the time. About ninety eight percent of the time, I'd say I use these.
0: Dope. You make me feel good about my headphones now.
1: <laughs> well, there's like, it's just, it's just what you learn how to use. You know what I mean? True. I think like um. As long as you stay consistent, I think it's, you can mix on anything. Right. Or you can make hot shit on anything, I should say.
0: Hot shit. (laughs) I love that. (laughs) You know what I'm talking about?
1: Yeah, of course. The
0: the Nelly man. Cool. All right. Mr. Maeda. Yeah. Cool, man. So we're finally doing this. I tried to make this happen a couple of times last year. You know, (laughs) our schedules were here and there, but.
1: I think that was my fault. No, it's all
0: good. You know, we're here now. Uh, So what's up, man? How are you?
1: Oh, i'm great i just had the steak sandwich and the coffee so i'm good
0: i'm good to go where'd you get that oh it's a steak sandwich it wasn't a burger cheeseburger
1: no i was yeah it was a steak sandwich from a tender greens down the street
0: nice shout out to them
1: yeah yeah i can't get sponsored from yeah. tender greens this episode that. is sponsored
0: by <laughs> man uh people are not familiar with who you are and what you do um tell us a little bit generally i guess what you actually do
1: uh well right now i do a lot of music stuff like a ton um a lot of stuff i don't talk about is submission for tv and film stuff okay. so that's one of those things where you make you know if i make 30 tracks this month and submit them all maybe one will land but it could land three years from now so that's why i never post about that kind right. of stuff you know what i mean right so that's all just stuff that just kind of happens but i forget because like i said the time between me making it and it happening is so far right. apart. you know right so there's that stuff. Um, lately, I've been getting to, into the videos, which kind of just happened. Uh, I got a camera, and then I decided I wanted to get another camera, so I bought the Sony A7S II, and then just started making random videos.
0: The Sony plugs today.
1: <laughs> oh yeah, my What's favorite up, headphones Sony? too. <laughs> yeah, that's what I use for headphones too. Um, I can't remember the what is it? The, what is the model number? Is, is it seventy five oh six? uh yeah I believe okay so. yeah i should know i've been wearing it for check. like 20 years but i should know 7506 <laughs> mdr yeah plug yeah. <laughs> that's funny plug uh so yeah um maybe i shouldn't have said that first but yeah <laughs> so i make re- i've made a lot of remixes that did well on dj city and i think that's what a lot of people uh are familiar with me for and then production stuff and djing i dj in vegas for a really long time as well right so
0: yeah actually i think that's the first time i met you a long time ago uh playboy from houston oh yeah yeah i was going to vegas yo mohoney uh Man at the time uh was it new york new york or rock bar or what was it
1: yes new york New York. that was was the me being drunk every single day Uh, ah that was those days we've all been there yeah
0: yeah (laughs) and that was the first time yeah i think I, i met you checked you out and i mean that was that was kind of a dope club like it was i guess that time it was uh the format you're everywhere i mean i remember biggie i remember rock and roll was playing like you were just killing it
1: yeah that was a um it was just a very tough that was a very tough place because i feel like if that club would have been in maybe a different hotel you know or even let's just say if you took that club out of the city and put it in any other city it would have been like the hottest place ever right but being that there was so much competition in vegas at the time like man i think uh you know it was like the wind had all kinds of new stuff popping up, you know, excess was like opening up. Like there was so much like, you know, and then top 40 at the time was kind of like frowned upon. Cause that was the time when, um, EDM started to like really, really popping off, right. you know, with the Calvin Harris stuff. And so, yeah, I was there for a few years. It was, it was a great time. I had a couple of rough experiences towards the end, but I think towards the end of that period of time was when I started realizing that DJing is great, but, my heart was in a little bit of a different area. I still love DJing like 100%, but being like helping manage a club when they kind of don't let you manage and do what you want to do is very difficult, right? <laughs> as you can imagine. Yeah. What's the point of managing being a manager if you can't actually be like what you want to You can't do what you want to do, you know?
0: So, as far as obviously club DJing, open format, you, yeah. the turntablist aspect of it, um, you scratch very well. Oh, if you. anyone hasn't noticed, uh, <laughs> how often are you practicing?
1: Uh, that particular scratching? craft, yeah, scratching. Uh to be completely honest, I don't practice anymore. Yeah, at all. Goat. <laughs> no, it's it's really just because um uh, when I was younger, I practice all the time, man, like all the time. So I even with like uh when I make the videos, I try not to practice too much because I find that when I get to a place where I'm going to record or perform, sometimes if you're too burnt out on the practice, it's almost like the like the spontaneous aspect of it is kind of gone. I don't know if that makes any sense. Like I'm coming from a little bit different place. Cause like, I'm not really making a routine. Like even with the videos, when I record other people, I just tell them just go and then I'll just figure out where it fits. And I feel like when that happens, there's like magic that happens all the time like that. But I feel like people are so worried about controlling every aspect of their creativity that they don't just let something happen. And I feel like that's ego. And sometimes in creative stuff, you have to let go of that ego and just let you know, whatever happens, happens. You know what I mean? Right. So that's why I try not to burn myself out on too much of the practicing. And I just kind of go, if that makes any, I don't know if it makes any sense. No, no, I got (laughs) you.
0: So, but obviously you did whatever the 10,000 hour rule, whatever you were that dude who just put in hours back then. But, and then to remain so sharp, is it now just muscle memory, you know, yeah, you develop? Yeah. Okay.
1: Definitely muscle memory. right. I mean, if, if you do something for 15 years, like if you can't figure out how to do a chirp, you know, like you may want to just like rethink uh if you can't do that anymore. You know? Right. Right. <laughs> Got you.
0: On that, I think it was Chris Via, DJ Chris Via, I heard he said if you figure out one scratch that you can do very well, whether it's a chirp, for instance, flare, yeah. Or whatever. Yeah. And then just figuring how to flip that in so many ways. Do you agree? Is there any other methods or ideas you have on, on based on that theory?
1: No, I feel I feel like it's it's almost like developing developing a palate for food, right? You find one thing and you kind of from that one thing kind of branches out maybe a different sort of style or just right. different sort of mechanics that your body will get used to and you kind of just branch out from there so I definitely agree with that a lot cool you know? right on for me it was always the three click um, I don't know if it's a flare or orbit the three you know three forward three back in the, in the fader hand and that was always what I was naturally good at just right out, right out the gate I kind of Use that a lot, so
0: <laughs> and then flip that. <laughs> yeah, pretty cool. Uh, you mentioned DJ City. I know you have a lot of your remixes there, yeah. Uh, primarily, um, is there a difference when you're going into produce a, a an original versus a remix? Do you have is there any difference at all that you take in mind?
1: Oh yeah, for sure.
0: And what what does that look like?
1: Uh, well, the difference for the remix is like with DJ City. Obviously, I gear it towards more of the DJ that's going to be out playing. The remix and it has to be simple enough to where the bass kind of like pounds and then there's still some sort of lead and just, it still has to be simple enough to where the average club goer is going to still enjoy dancing to it. Um, with my original stuff now, I don't even i I don't set limits for myself anymore. I used to I used to set limits and try to fit into a specific uh, bubbler box kind of thing, but now I just go just see what happens. Yeah. Right. Yeah.
0: Right. I've heard that a lot. Um, they say. If you're trying to recreate what's on the radio now, it's pretty much not gonna.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's be the late.
0: one or you know come out right.
1: Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah, it's too, it's just too late, and uh, even it, from like a sound engineering standpoint, because I studied sound engineering for a long time, you can't recreate the exact sounds um, from another song and put it into yours because what happens is if even if the key is different, even if the key of the song is different, the instruments don't take up the same part of the spectrum and not everybody's voice is the same so you're always going to have variation so it's you can't actually completely copy something unless you have the exact same instruments i don't know if that makes sense
0: yeah yeah, yeah definitely yeah. and uh your DAW of choice are you on ableton
1: yeah yeah i've been on ableton for a long time but before that it was cubase
0: whether it's originals or remixes what does that writing process look like for you like when you have a blank Ableton session are you starting anything in particular the drums a lead a sample like walk us through the process of how you feel comfortable writing music
1: uh well for okay for remixes it's definitely a little bit different so i for remixes i always go for the drums and the bass first which is actually good for for anything by the way cuz drums and bass are the hardest elements to marry in any song period so that's what i go for first because those are the most important because if you think about it you could almost do like an 808 and a chant and you could probably play that in the club you know what i mean yeah like you could have very minimal elements but when it comes to my original stuff i'll start with maybe there's something i heard a week ago and i liked i don't know maybe i liked the way the melody was sort of and then i'll kind of get that in my head and then just i'll just start playing on the piano so i think with my original stuff it's more melody first and then everything else falls from that. And then for the remixes, it's definitely rhythm based first.
0: So you always kind of keep in mind of where the song is going to be in a way, like you said, you yeah. know, for sure this is going to be in a club environment. So you kind of based on those aspects. Yeah, cool. definitely. That's really definitely. cool. Yeah. So what's your background like as far as uh, musical training? Like, do you play the piano primarily?
1: It's what's funny is I don't really, even still, even still, I don't consider myself like really a piano player. I feel like what I'm good at is putting the whole picture together. Um, Cause I know some really incredible piano players. But yeah, so I started playing piano when my mom put me in lessons. I think I might have been eight or nine around then. But I got bored, and I think the reason why I got bored was because I was picking it up really fast. But I didn't really know that I was picking it up fast because when you're eight or nine, you don't know those things. Right. So you just kind of go. So I kind of stopped. And then when I was when I was about twelve, my next door neighbor was DJing, and I've always been kind of like a electronics nerd. Even that young, so when I saw like music and like electronics kind of married, like that was it. You know, I was like, oh man, I gotta like try that, and that's kind of where it, that's where it all started from there. Do you
0: feel like it's important uh, for producers to play an instrument or maybe any knowledge in music theory? Like, how do you? What's your uh, Hell take yeah. on that?
1: Hell yeah, and and it, it, to anybody that would disagree with me on that one, it'd be like trying. Music is a language. Okay, you don't just walk into another country and then just start talking English and expect people to understand you. Right. That's not how it works, you know? So if you want to learn how to speak the language, you have to... And I'm not saying you have to, like, take a full-on, you know, eight-year course and understand jazz substitution and all that stuff, but you should know, like, this note doesn't fit with this note because... Right. And then learn how to break that rule eventually as you know, you develop an ear. Yeah, definitely, man. Cool. Uh,
0: so what's your schedule like? I mean, I know you're always, you know, like you you mentioned earlier, music submissions and, you know, I want to definitely get into that, but, um, how often are you creating music and uh, the time of day? Like, what is your, um, like a typical day look like for you?
1: Um, well lately since the star Wars video is done, which that killed me, (laughs) all 300 hours of rendering problems, uh, basically been getting up around five or six in the morning which isn't normal, by the way, but my sleeping got fixed um, after Star Wars thing. So wake up about five or six, and then usually by eight, I'm like already messing with some sort of idea, and then usually by twelve, I'll have a beat. And then if I have anything else that I want to experiment with, I'll do that till like four or five, and then by by that time, you know, you start getting getting kind of kind of burnt out. Yeah, but yeah, I'm always making like one to two things every day, but they're not all what i consider to be fantastic so a lot of them get kind of just thrown away a little bit
0: but you have that um i don't want to say discipline but that's the routine it's a daily thing for you like it's, so yeah. you're constantly working obviously on that craft
1: yeah yeah exactly yeah. yeah and it's not even you know a lot of people ask me you know how how i do it it's not really like it's never been an option for me you know it's kind of just one of those things where i have to do it right. you know what I mean?
0: you don't think you just do
1: yeah, yeah yeah for sure it's not it's not something that i'm disciplined to do it's like that's what i'm doing right. that's just what i'm i feel like i was that's just what, where my brain's at. Yeah, and, you know, it's what you, i'm going to you do you
0: shower You brush teeth you make music so yeah yeah
1: <laughs> you just got to do it right? yeah yeah exactly
0: that's cool if anyone hasn't seen you know you mentioned the star wars video like yeah yo i mean that shit was super <laughs> crazy dope and uh when i first saw it like obviously, there's you know the Star Wars yeah. uh, built into the, the theme of it, but it, it initially reminded me of the old like Qbert like battle tapes, like uh, oh, yeah, lamb yeah. chop breaks yeah. and stuff, where Cubert would, you know, set up like a four bar scratch, and yeah. he, he would be wearing these crazy masks and stuff. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That uh, have any influence or anything into the the making of the whole Star Wars project?
1: You know, it it didn't, but like I, it's not like I I mind that I because I've had some people message me that you know saying that it reminded them of the Hubert stuff, and it's not that I mind at all because obviously I looked up Hubert for a really long time, right. you know, when I was younger. I didn't actually want it to happen that way. That's just the way it kind of happened. Right. Um, so that's basically yeah, well, definitely I mean,
0: not intentionally, but it was just yeah, maybe. It, just, it just
1: happened like that. Yeah. But like I said, I used to watch those all the time, so. And another thing, too, is, like, it's kind of hard to uh, have different angles in um in a 3D, like, area. You know what I mean? Like, I, I didn't have multiple cameras set up. So, <laughs> you only get one angle, man. The front That's uh, yeah. like, you know. <laughs> yeah.
0: Word up. If you're listening, I swear, check this out. I, I'm, I'll link up, you know, the links to check out this video. But so, how long does it take to put something like that together? Walk us through that.
1: Okay. So, well, first of all, shout out to Presto1 because he is um, – and I was – I I was so burnt out on the video I didn't label it right but Presto One was the first uh, Stormtrooper in the full on costume shout out to him he's a huge Star Wars fan so I was out in Vegas and I was like man we should just do a Star Wars video and um, this is a few months ago and he's like oh okay so I I went into his studio I made very very basic beat like stupid basic maybe I can even find it and I'll like email it to you so you just understand where the initial idea came from (laughs) After I had like a simple melody, I kind of knew where I wanted it to go. And that's just kind of where that's kind of where it started. And then I went back, came back to um, Burbank and I basically made, basically what I do is I make the the music first and then I try to figure out where the scratches are going to go because sometimes they just don't work. You know what I mean? You can, I've recorded countless hours and sometimes the stuff just doesn't work. So then I try to put the scratches in. And then I try to think about the theme and then I try to use the scratching like how you would a song kind of, you know, so it's like, you know, does the dark side thing like a chorus almost and then it goes into what I would consider verses and then it goes back into like almost like an outro chorus thing. Signs. This is madness. Don't know the power of the darks. We are doomed of the dark
0: darks. dark above the dark sign.
1: Man, from that after I build what I think is going to be the music, which it, sometimes it doesn't happen that way, that's when I start planning out in my head the visuals. But for whatever reason, when I even when I was really younger, whenever I hear music, I can see what what story it could be, and I feel like that I didn't discover that till li- till like a year ago. What do you mean by that? Go into that a little bit. So when I was um, shout out to my uh, friend George too, who he's a another composer who. Who He's the one who actually mentioned it when we were in high school, but I just never caught on to it. I wrote this, um, it's like this orchestral thing, and I was, him, I was like, yeah, we could pr- probably do a story like this, and he was looking at me like I was crazy because I was already putting visuals to the music right away. Even when I'm making music for like my originals, um, I see a story in my head, you know what I mean? And I don't know where that comes from, or I'm just weird. <laughs> But I mean, I, I, a lot of people probably think like, man, this guy's like hallucinating. He's like, what kind of drugs is he on? I swear I'm sober. You know what I mean? Like coffee. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it's just, it's weird. It's weird. I can close my eyes and I could give you a whole story on every song that I ever hear that I like. It's very, very weird. But it's also amazing at the same time because then when it comes to making visuals, I already have an idea of what it should look like. Yeah. So the Star Wars thing from start to finish took two months. Two and a half months, but that's because I went through a ton of rendering problems. So anybody that knows about trying to render 3D animation, it can drive you like insane, man. Insane. Wow. Yeah. So yeah, that's basically I don't really know how to explain it. Yeah.
0: I mean it's so, almost like I guess uh to put in perspective, like you the scratches in particular, like it's almost like you're 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 writing these scratches as as a verse, like in a song, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Like like it's real, I don't want to say strategic, but it's like
1: Yeah. It is right. Yeah,
0: that, that's that's just so dope. I mean, I, mean, I definitely it's something that stood out to me, and it, that's yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, you know know awesome. I
1: mean? yeah and just just something about that. What you said right now is like that's because um you know I've hit up other DJs to kind of be in the the videos before before I did the Star Wars I was hitting people up and a lot of people were saying you know well I can't do the you know that scratch that you did or, or whatever and the thing is is you don't have to do anything technical for it to be strategic and for it to be really awesome because you're fitting into like a song. You know what I mean? You're not really fitting into like a scratch routine. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely.
1: Yeah. It could be it could be the simplest scratch ever and it's still going to be awesome based on how everything fits.
0: Right. Man, that's so cool. Um, it's real Scorsese of you as far as the the, <laughs> the 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 thought process because, you know, like they say that some of the best directors, they're the best directors because they know how to communicate what's in their head yeah. to the director of photography or whatever. And yeah. that's pretty cool how you kind of just do that on the fly like when you hear music. Yeah. That, that's super dope.
1: But 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 again, I didn't know that that was an actual like skill until it's a power. S- <laughs> it, it, it feels like it's power sometimes. Some uh, you know, I have a friend. She was like, "No, nah, dude, I think that like that might be like an amazing gift that maybe you should explore." And then we were going over um stories because I'm lately I've been getting into more 3D animation stuff and just kind of learning that. And then she told she let me hear something and she told me the story. I was like, "Oh yeah, I could already visualize like this." And she's like, "Dude, that was." You know that was kind of weird what you just did. Like you just told me a whole like Pixar movie like in five minutes. Yeah, but I don't know. I don't know why that. You know that's just how my brain is. Like, yeah, guess.
0: <laughs> that's super cool though. Yeah, definitely. I I would. You should definitely like. Yeah. Dive into that more for sure. Uh, um, other videos like you mentioned. Um, you have kind of a series right now called Keyboard
1: Vibes. Oh yeah, yeah. How did yeah. that come about? Uh, do you want the truth or do you want do you want the short version? <laughs> lay it lay it out, man. All right. Uh, well, I went through a very very rough uh relationship. And so what happened is I just kind of got so frustrated with everything. The keyboard vibes thing I came up with as an exercise to not overthink anything. It's just me just going and just seeing what happens. And that's how I developed the whole spontaneous um, everything. Which so actually the break, I have nothing to be thank I'm glad she she dumped me because I would have never done that. I would have never done the Star Wars video. So just, it's just an exercise for me. It's It's actually just... Just me going, you know. Yeah. And I think like that's really important because a lot of us uh, creative people or creatives in general, you're always trying to make sure you're communicating right. Like you want to you want to be you want to be popular, staying true to yourself and still communicate correctly. But you don't really have to do that sometimes. Sometimes you can be yourself and let other people find you. And I think that's what it ended up being. But that's not what it was um, at the beginning. It was just like just me just letting. Whatever happened, happened. Yeah, th- yeah. I, that's
0: me. I guess uh, thinking is one of my biggest downfalls. Yeah, yeah, You know, just always being in your head, whether you're critiquing yourself or whatever. Um, so, that's dope that that was the initial reasoning to like that as a practice not to think. Yeah. Right. Because,
1: you know, control is, is really an illusion, right? You can't control other people. You can only control yourself. And I feel like sometimes… That's what's most harmful to us um, creatively. A lot of times, you're trying to control very, a lot of different aspects. So when you when you use that exercise to just let go, it actually like even if I listen to like my first keyboard vibes, the ones now, it's not it hasn't even been that long, but like the the level that the progression that has happened just by letting go is night and day. You know what I mean? Right. Even for me listening, I'm like, dude, I went from like that to that. It's almost like I should have been doing that my whole entire life. Right. But it's, you know, you, sometimes you have to have something happen to actually. Right go down that road.
0: What have you learned or maybe developed in that, this whole project in general as far as the, the practice of not thinking? Have you like certain things in particular that popped out like, oh, I need to quit doing this and maybe start doing more of this, anything in particular?
1: Um, man, I mean, I've learned so many things just in the past few months of doing it. Um, when I start doing the keyboard vibe stuff, if I have a melody or if I have a chord progression that I really, really like, I actually start recording it um, the first time And I just keep playing through, I keep playing through until I play something that I'm like, that's the one. And I used to never do that. Never, ever, ever do that. I used to like play it over and over and over until I thought I had the perfect take and then still not like it after the fact. Right. So now I just first take, just play it until you like it and then just take that take and then try to see where that goes. Wow. So it's definitely like, like I said, just very spontaneous, just try not to control things, just let things happen, you know? Yeah, super cool. That's really dope.
0: Million dollar question: <laughs> When is the Three Burritos album gonna drop?
1: <laughs> well, on the down low, uh, me and Kid Kits, uh, Spin um, have been working on tons of um, like salsa inspired stuff and just different different things that sound really awesome. I'm just trying to bring them to a space where it's a little bit more current sounding, but still very traditional musically. And I think like that is a lane that nobody is really taking. You know, at, at this stage, I mean, I haven't heard anything like it. So, right. I think that could be, like, something really cool. Yeah, yeah. definitely.
0: I know the last video, it was a song called Senorita. It was, uh, <laughs> Eddie Boy. Yeah, so it's you, <laughs> uh, Kitspan, his brother, and yeah. then this was uh Eddie Boy, a.k.a. Torta, I think. <laughs> yeah, dude. And, uh, yeah. yeah, that's exactly what it was. I feel like it was this... um this new modern take on this, uh, it was yeah. an original like cumbia track, but like live percussion and scratches. Yeah. Yeah. And again, those particular scratches for that performance or routine, whatever you want to mm-hmm. call it, were those uh, written in as well? Or was it kind of like a freestyle?
1: No, that's and that's the thing, man. All this stuff, all these videos are always spontaneous. So like anything you see, anything you hear is all just stuff that just kind of happened. And that's the way I want it. Like, and I had, I had DJs tell me like, oh yeah, do we need to practice routine? I'm like, no man, don't, don't come in here with like thinking that you're going to do this because that's the problem. You know what I mean? Like you're, you're, you trying to control that aspect is going to not only frustrate me, it's going to frustrate other people. Just let it happen. Just be there. Just do whatever. And something magical is going to happen. You know what I mean? Like have fun. Yeah.
0: It goes back to what you said earlier about uh, maybe recording artists, like just record it and then you'll fit things into place. Yeah, exactly. you mentioned, right. That's cool. Yeah. Um, A while back, you had a series on DJ City called School of Sound. Oh, yeah. And you're doing like some cool Ableton tutorials and um, anything in particular that that you can suggest that someone or a producer could do to improve their production?
1: Well, definitely start like on all of my sessions. I usually start with all of the levels at minus 10 because it just gives headroom for um, you to turn things up later. And I, oh, another thing I do too is I blast the um, volume on my headphones really, really loud. So that your Sony headphones, yeah, my Sony's five oh sixes. Anytime I can get a uh, sponsorship for that, I've been using for like twenty years. So I turn my headphones up really loud, so that way you don't ever like red line in Ableton. You know what I mean? Because your, you know, volume's just basically perception almost by how loud things, right? By how loud you have the headphones turned up. Yeah,
0: Yeah, don't forget the first step of. Negative 10 dB first. Oh, yeah, yeah. Right. So,
1: negative okay. 10 and turn the headphones like up really, really loud. So that way you're always working at a low volume inside the computer. Because I think what people forget sometimes is that frequencies that are heard by the computer are, are different than what we hear, right? right? Especially when we have the volume knob. So, it's just one of those things where if you have your volume turned up on your headphones, you never go past that red line almost and you always have that headroom. So,
0: mixing a master is a whole other beast, right? But yeah. along the way, the process, are you mixing along the way when you add? The kick snare and are a lead like are you constantly mixing along that way as well like adjusting levels
1: um i am but i don't necessarily recommend that unless you're like me where you are super ocd about frequencies interfering because it can completely ruin your creative process i've just learned how to like tell myself all right dude get back you know get back to doing what you're doing but that took me a a long time to do right so i definitely like if you can know what sounds work for you and just kind of just get everything out creatively that you need to get out and then sit on that for a day, maybe even take like a day or two of a break um, and then go back, listen, and then start mixing because your ears will definitely get burnt or you get used to hearing the way it's sitting in the mix um, during that time that you're making it, you know, cause you're hearing it. If you're like me, you're just going to spend six to 10 hours on a track, your ears are burnt. You're not going to hear the difference between like if the sub bass is boosted six DB or if it's minus 6 dB, and that's a huge change. You know what I mean? Right. So that's definitely take breaks if you can, you know, as long as the creative stuff is already in that session, you yeah. can take, definitely take a break for sure.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. And you mentioned that you did some like engineering studies like early yeah. on or whatever. Is Do you do mixing and mastering by yourself?
1: Yeah, I do. It's it, And it's not that I would actually um, mind somebody else doing it. It's just, it's hard to find a mixing engineer that will match your vision most of the time. You know, and a lot of the times when I've sent it to mixing engineers, they'll sh- send me back with almost the same thing. So I'm like, okay, well, I don't really understand why I just spent the two to three hundred dollars or whatever it is to get right. the same mix done. <laughs> right. So it kind of just happened that way. Um, and then after, you know, obviously after the remixes started doing well, I was like, all right, well, I guess maybe I don't necessarily need a, a mixer. And then sometimes what I've developed now is people may not be able to get exactly what I'm doing because. Mixing and mastering is actually an instrument that people aren't thinking about. You know what I mean? The way you mix something it can be a huge uh, factor as to your style. You know, in general. You know what I mean? Even if you, th- even if you think of it in the context of like, just say Melbourne bounce when it was like super heavy and smashed. You know, l- like still, even if you say, all right, well it has no dynamics because it's smashed or whatever, and, that's still part of the style right? right it still has to be loud like that so I feel like mixing and mastering is also part of your personal instrument and sometimes that can be very valuable you know it's kind of like oh here, here's a way I could compare it. it's like taking a photo and then picking <laughs> picking which filter to put on right. on Instagram right okay, yeah yeah without that filter what does it actually look like and that's if you don't have the right mixing and mastering that filter can do a lot of damage right or it can look sexy as as hell you know yeah yeah of course yeah (laughs) so that's the way i think of mixing and mastering is that some people are so good at at mixing and mastering for their style that i couldn't just go in and completely do their style i mean depending on what you know genre it is and 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 easily reproduce that right if that makes yeah 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 totally
0: for sure Let's say you have a bunch of tracks, like you know, whatever, thirty for the month or whatever. And like yeah. you said earlier, you have these uh, this whole part of as far as music submissions. Because I mean, you have if everyone doesn't know, you have some placements. Like yeah, uh, you've done a record with like Little John. You've did some work with Lady Gaga. What's that world like? And how did you get to that point?
1: Yeah, I did. Um, so I scored the strings, the GUI video. Yeah, on the long on the long version, there are strings. So I had strings in the first song, and then when it goes into the next one. That was basically me that scored the strings on that. That was pretty awesome to be able to do that. And then, so yeah, Little John taiga with the Bendova record and um, Pitbull with uh, the Freak with the Adina Howard sample. Right. And I have some more stuff with him as well. So that stuff's been cool, but it's definitely different. Like, they're very different worlds as far as um, TV, film, and artist placement. Artist placement is um kind of like, well, my buddy Cheap Shot. Artist placement is like hitting the lotto, right? Okay. Because you're only going to get one of those maybe every... Year, a couple years, you may never get them at all. You know what I mean? But with like film and TV, it's kind of like quantity. Try to get quality up to par, but you have to have a ton of uh, quantity, and then they kind of like try to match that with whatever they're going for. And sometimes, I'm sure you've been, I'm sure you've seen on a TV show where you're listening to the to the song, you're like, man, that song sucks. (laughs) <laughs> but it fits like whatever you're watching right maybe it's like super cheesy or whatever right. you know so that's what they're going for more
0: yeah yeah um cheap shot he was running the was it like a music publishing company
1: oh uh, yeah yeah he's still over there with uh math club and they do a bunch of different things because right. uh, they're also working with so upstairs is um dave jordan and dave jordan is the um music supervisor for all of the marvel movies uh he's an awesome guy by the way i think it's a great dude and he plays video games, so that's good too. <laughs> right on. <laughs> I, or he used to play video games. I don't know if he still does. So through working through all that stuff. So yeah, I got some stuff on Ant-Man, 22 Jump Street, Neighbors 2, um, How to Be Single. I mean, see, this is like stuff like I didn't even know I had anything in Sisters, but it's just those things happen right. without you kind of knowing because you have to make a ton of them for it to
0: Right. Yeah. So the music submissions that yeah. you're making, do you start these particular um productions with the artists in mind or is it just genres and then then you ship them out like what's that like
1: for the like pitbull
0: stuff or is that or well i mean obviously you have you know this i guess relationship with Pitbull at this point but let's say you're submitting like you said 30 songs is it to a particular artist is it for a particular artist is it just music that you're enjoying at the time or is it something that's required for you to make like how does that work
1: man it's just a it's there's like so many fine lines in um The questions you ask because it's kind of like if you write for a specific artist a lot of times what's happening is people don't even want that style to begin with you know what i mean because usually when you think about writing for an artist you're going to already have a picture in your head not a picture but you're already going to have the sounds in your head that like you know you think that they might want or whatever right but you'd be surprised man people pick like the most random songs ever sometimes songs
0: that you didn't even think would
1: yeah it's just it's just one of those things where you you just have to know that you love writing music, and then know that you're going to submit this, and that it's probably not going to get any kind of response. But one day you may get a call, and they're like, you know, I want to buy that track from you for a lot of money or whatever it is. Yeah, but there's no there's no rhyme or reason to that world. First, and there's so many politics like in that at yeah. that level. You know, because you're talking about a lot of the people at the top level have their core um, people that they always go to. So that's definitely something. That's something that I think. Um, if you're new to making music, don't think about like, you're going to try to make music for so-and-so that's already super, super famous, right? But try to find like a group of people that maybe you can like develop a style together. And I think like, that's another thing too, for the keyboard vibe stuff. For me, that was like saying to the world, you know, this is my style. And now I have people that want to collaborate with me based on my style. And it's not really like I'm trying to fit in anywhere you know what i mean yeah yeah and i feel like that stuff is important just to know where you fit in, in, in as, as far as like style because that stuff can change anyway so if you're trying to if you're trying to be like pop i mean what is pop today it's so mixed you know what oh, I mean? yeah it's a- so anything anything goes nowadays so you just got to make whatever you make and if people like it cool if they don't you just got to keep going yeah right right yeah i don't know if that makes
0: yeah yeah i mean i think i guess that the rule that you have as far right now is don't think and then obviously, yeah. try not to copy anyone, and then your sound or style kind of just develops organically right?
1: yeah, yeah, and don't and you know I've had I've had this for my whole life. People try to tell you they try to tell you what you're good at, right They try to tell you what style to do because they think they know, but everybody thinks they know, right but that's that's not what you want, man. You want people to like hear what you are to hear your your sound or whatever you really believe in, and you want those people to come to you because that's, that's what's going to equal longevity not doing like one thing that is a sound for the time. You know what I mean? Like a lot of these dudes right now, I'm not going to hate on any of the rappers or whatever, but when they're all copying each other or even like EDM stuff, when everybody's copying each other, like what longevity do you have? Because nobody's going to even remember that record from the next biggest whatever. You know what I mean? Right. And then you're done. Yeah. So, I mean, I hope you get millions of dollars because after it's done, there's no, there's no other records, you know. Yeah, so, <laughs> so um,
0: I guess either growing up or even now, like, are there any song? I don't want to ask you what were your musical influences growing up, but was there any song in particular that kind of not blew you away, but kind of just opened your your mind or your eyes and to be like, holy shit, like how is that sound being created?
1: Oh yeah, I have a, f- I have a few references that people will probably be like, what the? F- yeah, the, g- what the g- hell are you talking g-
0: about? Give us some of those.
1: Um, when I was young. I think I can't remember what age I was. I was pretty young. I was at my grandma's house, and my uncle was, um, uh, recipes of my uncle, too. He just passed away a year ago. But he was talking to me about stereos, and he was a paranoid schizophrenic because he was in, he was a NAM and he came back, and he was, uh, you know, who knows what happened to him. And he would always talk about some crazy things, but some stuff he, like, really, really knew very, very well, you know, like gifted well. So he would talk to me about, he was very into stereo systems, and he would talk to me about stereos and why certain things sound better and all this stuff. And he I, and he gave me the CD. He was like, this is the best recording you're ever going to hear. And it was a double CD, and it was of uh, Phantom of the Opera, the London um, recording. So he gave me the CD, and I remember listening to it over and over and over again. And I remember at the time, I didn't really like classical, right? But I thought I thought the way the songs were very awesome. And I'll just give an example if, if anybody's ever seen... Um, Phantom of the Opera or, or listen to it but in Phantom of the Opera the little monkey that plays the little music box in the beginning, that melody is uh, a song there called Masquerade later on that song Masquerade it, they're at a party and it's very happy and jolly and the music's very like a uh, I don't want to say uplifting, but it's just kind of like, it's, you know, there's more energy to it.
0: And
1: then towards, I can't remember if it's towards the middle end, Uh, Phantom is singing that song, but he's singing it in different tones. Masquerade,
0: paper faces on parade, masquerade, hide your face so the world.
1: And I think what I thought was really magical was like, this is, and this is something, um, well, I think I'm getting a little deep with the music stuff, but it's almost like the melody was always the same, but you felt it completely different at each time. You know what I mean? Like at the beginning it was just like a music box and it like, sounds kind of like dark, weird. And then at the party, it's like really happy. And then we, when you sing it at the end, you realize that he's alone, right? So I feel like storytelling in that way, in music, is very amazing. And even like, um, Another reference would be like the mu- the movie up. Um the th- even at the beginning, the first fifteen minutes is like tra- traumatic anyway. Yeah. Uh, but even if even if you pay the, pay attention to the music on that, the the piano that's playing at the beginning, it's very like, you know, kind of bouncy, like uplifting in, in that um I'm not sure what era of music that would have been. But yeah, it's just it's very happy. And then when it goes to the scene with when they're at the, the hospital, it's the same melody. It's just played slower with like a little bit different notation and it has a completely different vibe. Like, and I feel like that is incredible. That's always what I thought was incredible was you can take any melody and the way you accompany that melody is what gives it the genre or the feel or whatever, whatever. You know what I mean? So that was amazing to me in Phantom. I mean, that's what, I think that's what I always thought was incredible when he gave me that city. And then my dad took me to see Phantom when I was, I want to say like maybe 10 or 11, because he was a psychologist at, High school, and they would take um, uh, kids at risk. They would take them just to do different things, you know. And man, I couldn't believe that somebody spent. That's like you know Andrew Lloyd Webber. I mean, that's like if (laughs) if anybody can create visuals with songs like that and then match melody with tones. And I mean, dude, that's to me that was like incredible. And that like inspired me. That still inspires me to today to have that like the mix first of all is incredible to capture all that stuff live to me that's i don't even know how much time and money it was spent on getting that recording at that time but yeah this, the way the elements are put together are amazing and i even try to incorporate even it, it, with my electronic stuff i still try to incorporate certain um uh i don't want to s- well i guess it would be volume automation inside of a like like a daw like ableton but the way the violin players are playing and they're they're moving out of the way for a lot of different elements. You know what I mean? Like that stuff relates to everything. So that's, man, that inspired me like a ton. Even back then when I wasn't even into sound engineering or making music, just the way everything fit well together. Cause I was, I've always been a music guy, um, but I don't actually listen to classical all the time. Right. <laughs> Cause classical can drive me nuts sometimes. <laughs> uh, and then the next, a huge, another huge influence for my EDM stuff was um, BT. I don't know if um you're familiar or not. So BT is is awesome and he I don't know I mean he would talk about how he spent like 2 weeks on like a stutter edit and this was before you had the uh you know all the plugins he would do it all by hand and even some of the stutter edits that he had man probably like 10 years ago sound better than some of the stutter edits people are doing now. It was like you didn't hear anything like that. So now I mean now it's like press a button and you get you might get that effect but at that time man that was like next level and then for hip hop stuff it was um, I've always loved you know the greats like Pete Rock premiere and all that uh, the way they f- they were just so funky you know because I feel like hip hop is not always about being technical um, but you know funky and having soul and rhythm is, is very different from being technical you know
0: Do you sample at all?
1: Uh, Yeah well when I made uh, so I made scratch records when I was like I think it was Twenty, twenty-one or something—I don't remember—and uh, yeah, I sampled everything on that stuff. Um, I still sample drums to today. Yeah, still sa- I'm still sampling drums every, every now and then, um, just because I just love like I don't know. I just love sampling stuff, man. It's fun to just get like a, a more organic, dirty feel on top of it, and even if it's subtle, man, you know that's another thing too. You're talking about tips. It's like even if it's subtle, sometimes like it just adds like that special something that's on top, you know. Because music is all subconscious and subtle anyway, so all the little subtle things add up to like one great thing, you know. Yeah, stuff like that.
0: That's super cool, man. That's so dope. I feel like that was the foundation that 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 record that your uncle gave you, like that Phantom of the Opera. Like, oh yeah, for sure. You described it as far as like the violins getting out of the way for other things. Like in a way, it was it was being mixed live in a way, right? Yeah, yeah, for right. Sure. Yeah, that, that's amazing. I feel like that kind of like that was the click.
1: Yeah, and I mean. <laughs> I don't want to get too, recently I've been getting like super deep into like um, stuff like that. But yeah, I mean, nothing that we're doing is new in music, okay? All these people have done, done it, but it's just a little bit different. You know what I mean? So you just have to pay attention. And that's what I'm starting to notice is that a lot of the classical dudes were doing stuff, but it's just not called like volume automation you know it's not called like panning it's or it's not called a course effect it's you know it's but they were doing it in such a way and when you see how they were doing it it's still something you can use for your arsenal today and even if you're not using it right away if you're observant enough to catch it you can still use all these things that kind of like develop your ear later and that's what i tell people all the time when they ask me for help um whatever struggles you go through now when you're producing it's all going to help later on because to me, music is all about problem solving all the time because the magic is in the spontaneous parts. Right. And so like, it's always problem solving. So all these things add up to where you just know how to fix things now, you know, you know, like, all right, that 808 snare is going to sound like complete shit. If I put it there. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Just like things like that. Those are very important.
0: Yeah. Yeah right on and when you sample like drums in particular is it kind of like a sit down session like okay i'm sampling today or is it this music that you you hear something you're like i gotta have that snare it's open or something like that how does that play out
1: well i think (laughs) maybe i should do that but uh, that's not actually um what happens most of the time it's like i'll sit down and then start making something and then randomly a sound will come a sound will come into my head that maybe i've heard from something And that's when I sample it. But I think that's just because I listen to so much music that it's kind of just popping in and I'm just like, oh yeah, I should probably sample something like that and get it in there. But there are times when I'm like trying to develop different drum kits to uh, sample and put together and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. But it's, it's more on a case by case basis. I don't sit down and try to spend too much time on that stuff. Even though like, oh, that's a, here's another tip. Try to set up a core group of instruments and drums that you always like to use. So that way you can start a foundation really fast. Cause I feel like the foundation is kind of like the most annoying part of making something. Cause if you're always searching for new drums, guess what? Not everything is going to work with your style. Right? So if you have like a core foundation of like, say I love these five kicks, and I know that I'm always going to love these five kicks. Then it's just a matter of figuring out which kick is going with whatever bass you're using better. And I feel like that's cuts down your time. Like, by hours and hours and hours like you're you'll save half of your life if you just do that yeah it, it's as simple as a kick too like kicks are the hardest thing to marry with the bass so if you have 10 kicks that you like that's it you could use those look at look at premiere like all those dudes like they use the same kicks like over and over and over if you if you play all their records back to back like who knows maybe they're all the same kick but that's something that they weren't thinking about they were just like they try to get the creativity out as quick as possible right and they knew those kicks worked all the time right so
0: and that that right there what you said getting the creativity out as soon as possible yeah. i think that's that's so key because yeah. it's about just being efficient and that that moment of creative whatever that yeah. thing is right like yeah. it can come and go just like that so yeah. any little hiccup can kind of stop that you know yeah for sure um i'm real interested in wanting to hear what you said that that initial layout that you sent to presto before the star wars theme because i think it's really cool how the um the initial idea of a song like it can be written in just the 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 standard Ableton plugins that it comes with, right? Yeah, like yeah. And so I think maybe a lot or maybe I am guilty of it too. Like you want that that right kick right away.
1: Yeah, yeah, for right? sure. Right. You're for sure. looking
0: for that fucking poppy ass snare. Like and for then sure. again that window of creativity can be gone if you spend too much time you yeah. know emphasizing that icing first, basically.
1: Yeah, yeah. Right? No, for sure. Yeah. And and the thing and that's the thing too is Who's to say that what you're using isn't even the right snare to begin with? Because in my experience, even from a sound engineering aspect, usually what's what's happening is if you don't like when you're when you're making these things. Usually, when I'm playing, I don't, and this is all like stuff I'm doing, not um, thinking about. But I'll play based on what's already there. So whatever snare is there, sometimes I play around it in a way to where it becomes the perfect snare. You know what I mean? Yeah. So there's also so there's also that's that aspect of it is like it doesn't just because you're using what you think may be a weaker snare well maybe your piano or your synth is gonna be so heavy that it doesn't necessarily need um, a bigger snare or maybe it needs a bigger snare because it's so heavy you just you know what I mean it's one of those things where you can also ride around those elements yeah there's no wrong there's no wrong right answer this is music right I mean this is yeah. just but I think w- getting back to that yeah getting out whatever ideas you have at the beginning quickly enough are very important and also for writing sessions with um writers that do write for artists you have to be fast (laughs) because these people lose that creative spark pretty quickly you know what i mean yeah and they're um but if you're able to keep up with those songwriters usually they'll write something magical if you can do that if you can keep keep that um flowing that's a great tip. Yeah, in itself,
0: that's really cool. Cause yeah. I, I just recently I came across an article I read a long time ago in New Yorker. This extended, lengthy article about Stargate and um, the, the the team of those writers and how Esther Dean was involved in that. And it, it just goes into detail, like super really cool article. And yeah. then I just started going down this rabbit hole of YouTube videos and <laughs> just basically how a lot of those artists, like Sia or Esther Dean or whoever, Sia is amazing by the way. Yeah, she's.
1: so I was fortunate enough to play piano for her in a session. She was pretty amazing. I'm going to ask you about that.
0: <laughs> That's I, I awesome. Don't,
1: I don't have the material because I'm not allowed to share it, but right. she's amazing. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah so I just saw all these videos and basically like those writers in particular, like they don't like to hear the song. Like you mentioned, like you they have to do it fast, right? Yeah, so they definitely. don't want to hear the song prior. They'll go in the booth definitely. and they'll hear the song and just what they feel, what comes to mind. And it's not even lyrics all the time. It's just, they make up the melodies, la-di-da-di, whatever, yeah, yeah. da-da, whatever. And I just thought that was, I found it so fascinating. Like, she showed the original of, like, just this dry, raw run of, like, how she wrote Diamonds for Rihanna. Oh, yeah, yeah. And that was so, I was just blown away. Yeah. Like, holy shit, how can this, like, just this idea just
1: become this huge record? Yeah. You know, so so crazy. Well, first of all, Sia's not normal. She is. uh She's superhuman, right? She definitely. Man. An X-Men or something. Yeah, she's super nice. And I was tripping out because she wears the costumes, but in the studio, she just wore, like, a hoodie. And I was like, hey, what's up? I was like, "All right." <laughs> I was like, "I'm so confused, man. <laughs> <Crazy>. <laughs> what happened to the crazy wigs?" Oh
0: man! So what was that story? How, how did you get introduced to her, and and what was that uh, experience like?
1: Well, I don't know if I could talk about all the details, or maybe I wasn't even supposed to talk about any details. But I don't, I don't know if the music's actually going to ever be used—the the stuff that we did. But yeah, I mean, basically, I was there to play piano for a session she was in, and I just started playing some chords, and she wrote the song, man. Like 15 minutes, she was like done. I think she was. I think in her head, the same way, you know, I probably think of visuals, like she was just done. Like she just knew the harmonies. I think she did like four or five part harmonies. Like, and I mean, so you have a whole song that's done in like what, an hour? But like lyrics and everything, like, dude, that was most people, you know, and I've been with writers that can write, you know, they can write a full song in, you know, 15 minutes. But the thing that's different about her is that she had all the parts too, you know what I mean, with the vocal parts. I think a lot of people don't understand like it's harmonies and stacks and all that stuff. Like for a songwriter to know that and know where they go is very, very amazing because then you don't, you as the producer don't have to like figure out in your head where you want certain emphasis to be and what to double and whatnot. And that's like incredible to me that she heard all that like in 15 minutes. You know what I mean? Like that's, that's pretty crazy. Yeah.
0: That's really cool. Um, Man, dude, well, your whole insight on, on music is just really like fascinating to me. Like I've never um Well, nobody's I, ever asked me the question. Yeah, that no, but asked I mean, me. you know, that's that's what this podcast is about, yeah, yeah. man. Like I really like I uh, just want to nerd out on like yeah. the cool shit that I feel like doesn't get expressed or, or highlighted at all. Yeah. You know, in, in your average interview or something. I don't know. I'm not talking any interviews in particular, but Shots fired. Shots fired. yeah, like I, I just the way you see music or I guess just say feel music. Like it's really, really fucking cool, dude.
1: Yeah. Well, I think, and and I have to, I have to be honest, man, this is all kind of like new to me because of the extreme breakup that I had. You know, this is a girl I thought I was going to marry. Right. So I feel like sometimes when you traumatic things happen to you, you start worrying more about yourself and feeling comfortable. Right. Because that's the only place you can go. You don't want to be more stressed out. Right. Like I'm not, I wasn't trying to be more stressed out. So when it threw me into that space, when I realized I couldn't c- control what she did, it's kind of just made me just let go of all control in general. And then, and then when you do that, I feel like that's when things really kind of come in, you know. But yeah, all this, all this new music knowledge is very, is very new to me, um, and it's, it's pretty amazing though too because I feel like I've opened something in my, you know, my mind, soul, whatever, music spirit, and it's just kind of like it's almost like I'm just translating whatever is coming through me. I'm not actually creating it anymore if that makes any sense which is a very very weird and i swear i'm not a stoner okay this is like all like (laughs) this is this is all sober talk right here (laughs) coffee talk (laughs) yeah i have no i have no medical marijuana license (laughs) i don't think i need it if i'm actually like i can see a story after i hear something all
0: right so at this point in your life right now where wherever you're at on the right what's the best piece of advice you've ever got
1: the best piece of advice i've ever got (laughs) um well i mean recently it's just been that It's okay to take constructive criticism. Obviously, you know, everybody has to do that at some level. But if you really believe in what you're doing, you know, just continue to do that. Because even if, you know, even if you're shooting for stardom or shooting for the stars or whatever, the path that you're going, like, on the way there is still going to lead you to somewhere. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, even if you believe, you know, like, oh, I'm going to be the next uh, Drake because I'm the best rapper alive or whatever it is. Top five, top five. (laughs) Even if you you really believe that in your heart and you know like it doesn't matter if you have to take a job at McDonald's and still do that on the side and you have that love for it, then just continue to do it because those things are going to lead you to somewhere. Even if it's not like selling 100 million records, you may still find something along the way. And I feel like that's what's happening to me is I found that I'm actually probably maybe a storyteller and that's why this, these whole years of making music, I've always felt some sort of uh, like anxiety after finishing a song because maybe I was always, always had the visual, right? And that's my ultimate form of communication to put the visual with the music. And I feel like that's something I would have never found if I didn't stick with it. You know what right. I, mean? I would have never done the Star Wars video. I would have never been like, oh, I can actually come up with a whole concept for a story in like five minutes if you give me the music or tell me what you, tell me what you think you want the scenario to be. Yeah. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah, super dope. You're extremely talented, super <laughs> I inspiring, man. I, I can't wait no, to see you. what you're coming up with next. Uh, what are you currently working on or what can we expect to see?
1: Well, I did start a new creative video. I just don't want to give a timeline because there's a lot of things that happen in the uh, post-production. Okay. <laughs> but yeah, so I did start another a video similar to the um, similar to the Star Wars one, but we'll see how it goes. I just don't want to say that I'm going to have anything done. Uh, I do have, I did a Bad and Bougie remix, which is kind of funny because I don't normally don't do hip hop remixes, but... Have it for the keyboard vibes and yeah, so I, I did a complete flip though. The the vocal is just there to kind of be there because it's a more aggressive style beat, which I don't normally do. I do more like the pretty R and B chords with maybe like right. aggressive leads. Yeah. So I mean, you this,
0: said Migos, yeah. like, I'm thinking like the Bad and Bougie ballad. I'm like, oh shit, <laughs> this sounds interesting. <laughs>
1: no, it's 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 uh, I use darker chords and stuff like that and uh, cool weird melodies on top. So it's not um, it's not pretty, but it's it's still musical to where I would I'm still proud of how it came out. Right on. You know? Um, and I will also say that i've done a bunch of r&b remixes um and that's gonna be with the um kid spin stuff with the latin style stuff so just off the top so we did uh like a spanish style remix of john sending my love which is super amazing it's very awesome if you can even imagine that i know it's hard it's hard it's hard to hear that i know i know it was like salsa style and then I did like a. A remix of brandy i want to be down which is kind of like similar to the michael jackson remember the time nice and uh Groove theory tell me a few others awesome
0: man well mr michael maeda i appreciate it this was fun
1: oh thank you man thank <laughs> you man
0: thanks a lot whoa whoa tell your friends tell your mama too this episode was amazing i really enjoyed it i hope you did too big shout out to mr michael maeda you can keep up with michael on all his social networks at Michael Maeda, one word on Twitter and IG, or you can search for Michael Maeda on Facebook, the SoundClouds, the DJ city, the YouTube, wherever you're social, go and check it out. Again, let us know how you feel. Hit us up on mindset, hashtag on mindset. Find us all over the socials. We're going to close it out. with Mr. Maeda's latest keyboard vibes, a bad and bougie remix. We'll see you next time. Peace. Hey.
1: Mm-hmm. Drop, drop top, smoking, no cooking in the hot pot. You? Nah, nah,
0: nah. Cooking up in the crock pot. Nah. We came from nothing to something. Hey. I don't trust nobody, grip the trigger, but Call up the gang and they coming. Grab me a river, give you a fish. Spare and bullshit, cooking up with the Uzi. Dude. My niggas are savage, ruthless. Hey. We got thudders yeah. and hundred rounds too. and bullshit.